Here's what's coming up on today's show. Will that derail your retirement? Uh, where now you have to make some adjustments or maybe you could take a part-time job. So that's the key. You have to understand what's that risk level going to be at to make each other happy. It's time for the Retirement Reality Podcast with the founder of Principal Preservation Services, Mike Koyanen. You're listening to the Retirement Reality Podcast. I'm Ben George with Mike Coynan, founder and owner of Principal Preservation Services. Got another two-part conversation coming up for you. It's all about debt. Till debt do us part, we're going to try to resolve (laughs) some of the financial sources of tension, Mike, between couples. And I think we've talked about it before, but sometimes you do play the role of therapist occasionally, huh? Absolutely. See it all the time. All the time. So we're going to talk again. We got 10 different uh, sources of tension. Again, money is always a big problem in relationships and marriages, and oftentimes the reason for divorce in a lot of cases. So we want to make sure we talk through these. We're going to go through five today. We'll do five on our next episode as well. So please hit subscribe on the podcast to get that. And uh, make sure you go back to our last uh, two-part conversation on cash flow, income, and expenses. Broke that down as well. How's everything else going, Mike? Summer is great. It's a nice hot summer again. We got a little vacation planned and uh, got a daughter getting married here. So, um, it's uh, that's marriage number four, and mm. we got a grandbaby on the way, so it's it's busy. Life is always busy. I'm sure you wouldn't have it any other way, right? It seems like you always have something <laughs> coming on, but it seems like you guys enjoy that. Yeah, yeah. I think it's it's fun to see the our kids become, you know, not just adults but thriving adults mm-hmm. and doing well and raising their kids right. You know, and so it's it's fun to see that and and. Uh, it's fun to get some kids out of the house too. Sometimes, you know, so <laughs> it's when the kids leave, then it's a lot more work. It's like uh, the other kids are calling dibs on their 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 uh, <laughs> bedrooms, and we're repainting bedrooms and moving kids around. So, um, yeah, we're down to uh, just four kids, uh, five kids at home right now. Five kids. And then is this grandchild number two? This grandchild number five. Five. Oh, okay. Shoot, I've lost yeah. count. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, so, so yeah, nine children, fifth grandchild on the way. And so, yeah, it's it's gonna be fun. This will be uh, grandchild number five, which will be our third granddaughter. We have two boy grand boys, and hmm. this will be our, our third granddaughter. Wow, so. that's awesome! Well, congratulations on that. I know a busy summer, but a uh, big one for the family. So great yeah. to hear that, and uh, you'll have to keep us updated on how everything's going. Yeah, and you just had a baby as well. I did. I did a second uh, second child to a baby boy. So we're about 10, 10, 11 days in now. So everybody's doing well. <laughs> just a lot of sleeping and eating and, and pooping, as it as so happens for the kids. So uh, it's been good so far. But uh, yeah, just blessed that everybody's healthy and uh, looking forward to to watch them grow up in the next few months, as it happens pretty yeah. quickly. Yeah, congratulations again. Thank you. All right, well, let's jump into it, Mike. Uh, till that. That do us part, you know, money can't mm-hmm. buy love, but it can definitely start some spicy debates between you and your better half. So that's what we want to focus on this episode, dig into the financial face-offs that you have that maybe make monopoly fights look like child's play. And we're going to explore some of these money minefields that could even test even the most solid relationships. It's true that this can really get in between those that are even mm-hmm. on very solid ground. So we got five I want to go through today. We'll do five on our, our part two here, Mike. But let's start off with risk tolerance and investments. Um, I guess a lot of times people disagree quite a bit on how risky they want to get, you know, how much safety they want to have in their portfolio. And this can be the grounds for arguments. Yeah, we see this a lot. And it's different when um, we have situations where 
uh, husband wife has their own or you know partners have their own money right and so fine fine they can be risky you know with that money and the other one's not as risky and it's it's great sometimes when they each have equal amounts and so well, I'm doing this you can do whatever you want to do I hear that a lot um, but the tough thing is maybe you have a situation where one was really the only one working no only one saving and so if all those dollars that he or she was you know saving for retirement but it's really it's you know you it's a household right so even though he's been putting the money or she's been putting the money aside into a 401k and investing it she wants to say or he wants to have a say in that as well uh, because when they draw money out it's for both to be retired right so that's a tough situation because typically we see people one person relationship is more aggressive than the other we always tend to see somebody who's risk adverse doesn't like a lot of risk the other one is very you know maybe moderately aggressive to aggressive and it's trying to balance that out and i'm not i always tell people there's no right or wrong answer it's how you are wired to do it but then i have to explain sometimes do you need to have this level of risk if you've already acquired enough money to be retired what is the benefit to taking on some extra risk when it's not necessary and so that's really what you have to look at the picture of is, is the risk I'm taking on it worth it? Because it'll just make my retirement even more gravy, right? Even um, look even better, give me more options in retirement or having a big hit because you've been too aggressive, more aggressive than you needed to be. Will that derail your retirement uh, where now you have to make some adjustments or maybe you could take a part-time job. So that's the key. You have to understand what's that risk level going to be at to make each other happy. Yeah, it's a difficult one. I know that uh, I think my wife and I have disagreements on that as well. She's much more conservative than I am right now. So you have to find that balance. Um, all right, retirement age, Mike. So I guess it's one I wouldn't really think about when you said, okay, what are some of the things that couples argue about? But I guess it makes a lot of sense that there might be maybe one spouse that wants to retire uh, earlier and start maybe traveling and, and doing some personal stuff while maybe another one enjoys working and wants to maybe chase their career a little bit longer. Yeah, and I, I see this I, more often than I'd like. I think um, it gets a little frustrating sometimes where I see one spouse, and let's just say the, and I see this a lot, a lot of times the husband has already been retired, and maybe because he was you know older one in a relationship and he retired, but then she's had a nice paycheck, and he's she wants to retire. He's like, I don't want her to retire. I'm like, why don't you want her to retire? Well, because, because we don't want to adjust our lifestyle. Her income is really nice right now. I was like, well, it's not very fair. You got to be retired and you want her to keep working. Or, you know, I see that a lot. Uh, so the key is understanding retirement. And I had that conversation today uh, where this couple, she's retiring here and just going to go do some part-time work. He's like, I don't want to retire because you want to have that extra income coming in. But at the result of what? I mean, you know, at the the result of your spouse still working full-time job where they're exhausted and just so you can have a little bit more financial conveniences in life. So again, you have to understand the, the proper way to retire. Obviously, I don't tell people this is what you need to do. I said, these are your options. Uh, the t I will tell people if they want to retire before 65, if you don't have an option like um, through the federal government, a lot of times they can get the federal government health care as long as you had enough 
you know, five years of work, be full-time work before you retired, you can maintain that. It's hard to retire before 65. Otherwise, you got to, you know, be, a, you know, COBRA or uh, Affordable Care Act um, until you get on Medicare at 65. So things you want to think about because some people haven't thought about the expensive cost of health care. And I guess, too, for the reason this becomes a problem, too, is a lot of times for the person that's still working, they might get a little jealous, too, of the uh, the other spouse uh, that, that has all this free time and maybe vice versa. The person that's retired doesn't uh, wants to spend more time doing things together, doesn't get that opportunity, right? Yeah, and you've had decades of you two not being around each other hardly at all besides weekends and evenings, and all of a sudden you got to figure out what to do with your time together because you know you're so you're two different people, hmm. and you got to figure that out, I think. I think marriage counseling is should be a priority for people who are entering retirement because it's a new it's a new set of circumstances. You both have been working really you guys have given the worst of each other to each you know for the last 30, 30 40 years. You give your best to your employer and then you give you, you know each other just the evenings when you're exhausted and weekends when you're just trying to, trying to rush to get everything done that you can in a weekend. So, I think trying to figure out how to stay married in a good way and get along with each other uh, would be important to do as you enter retirement. All right. We're talking about the financial sources of tension that couples often face. Um, well, we've talked children already between myself and you, Mike. Uh, so let's tie it into this conversation here. The legacy that you want to leave, right? I, I, I guess, you know, there's you know, different people view it differently. Some want to pass mm-hmm. on a lot of different things and, and do it in different ways. Some want to spend all their money. So uh, do you often find that people are on the same page when it comes to this? Typically not. Really? Yeah, typically yeah. it's the the husband uh, or the guys are like, this is our money, we're going to spend it, and uh, we hope that our last check bounced to the undertaker kind of thing. And then we have the, you know, the wives are like, no, we want to help our kids or grandkids. And and um, sometimes they're on the page. I'm not exaggerating. They're never on. But they but there's uh, usually there's a big gap of what they want to do with this money. You know, so, but then I've seen other cases where the husband is really kind of hidden what they have for assets in retirement, where the spouse, the female, um, the wife in the relationship had no idea. They thought they were living in poverty and were multimillionaires and they had no idea. So that's not good either. <laughs> so um, they were definitely not going to run out of money. They were going to leave a huge legacy if they didn't start using that money. So the key is find out what is the best thing to do with it. And if you had to earmark money, Again, we, we can't you know, predict the future health-wise, how long you're going to live, inflation, spending habits. We will we'll make some assumptions in those categories, but we want to make sure that if you're going to live till 95, we want to make sure you have enough money to get till 95. And if there's money left over, great, at least the kids. And I, a lot of times I tell people, if all your kids get is your home, that's a huge blessing. That if you used all your retirement dollars on yourself, and the least they got was your home. I think that's amazing. That's a huge gift to the to them, your kids or grandkids. All right. Uh, next one is housing in retirement. There's a lot of different choices that come with this, Mike. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to maybe want to downsize, maybe you want to move somewhere else, get a second home. Um, some people have decided to sell and, and start renting. So, a lot of different choices here. And how can this really be a, a spot where disagreement occurs? Yeah, we get usually one that they don't want to move. They're just stubborn. And sometimes we see this on the farm. You know, if somebody owns a million and a half, $3 million of house on a farm, 
And then we find out that maybe their kids don't want to farm. <laughs> so I'm like, who's going to take this over? You don't want to get, you don't want to sell it, but nobody wants to take it over either. So what is your goal with this? So you got to figure that out. But, you know, they inherited it from their dad and their dad from their grandparents and great-grandparents. And they, I understand why they want to keep it in the family. But a lot of times there's big disagreements when it comes to that because it's, you're sitting a lot of, illiquid money that could be liquidated in time. Um, and that could make a huge impact on your retirement. When you're land rich, usually not financially uh, wealthy at the same time. Not always the case, but there's a, you know, when we see that a lot with farmers. So sometimes they need to. And I hate to be the one to tell people that if you want to stay retired, you're going to have to sell this land or part of this land out. Um, and for some people, they need to downsize. You know, if you're living in this big five, six bedroom house, 3,500, 4,500 square foot home with all these bedrooms and it's just you two, well, it doesn't make a lot of sense. You could downsize and maybe reinvest 150 to $350,000 in the market to supplement your retirement and let that money grow for you and make some money. So, and sometimes that is a reason to stay, you know, one way to stay retired is by downsizing as well. So the key is finding out what is the best way to do it and like you mentioned, second homes, I don't recommend this, but I've got a few phone calls last year for somebody who said, I just, we just bought a home <laughs> in Florida, and uh, this is what we need. I was like, oh, boy, you already bought it? <laughs> yeah, so this is now this is what we need to do. I was like, it's really hard to plan once uh, the planning has been thrown out of the window, but we'll try to do our best to make things work and make sure it still fits in your retirement plan. But the key is come to some agreement. And um, it's not just one way wins. It's, it's, it's a win-win for both. All right, Mike, let's close out with a big one here to finish out part one of our discussion. And that's the lifestyle in retirement. Many people just don't even think about and, and discuss like what they envision their lifestyle to be. And it might catch you off guard if you get to retirement, all of a sudden you say, hey, I want to travel the world. And then your spouse says, I kind of like staying at home quite a bit. Yeah, we see this as well. And I think whatever... And I think this is where we get a lot of the most disagreements is the lifestyle. Somebody wants to travel and the other one doesn't. So I've had some spouses travel alone or travel with friends uh, just to travel because the other spouse has no desire to travel at all. Um, they just want to be homebody. They just want to be home on the property. And that's that's their life. And Again, it's some people have traveled enough through work that they said, I'm done traveling. <laughs> I've, I've been around the world multiple times. I'm done. I don't need to do that anymore. But some people are like, I didn't get to do that when you did. So I want to do that now. So, mm-hmm. um, again, this is it's a give and take. Um, I think you shouldn't be allowing your spouse to be traveling by themselves or with another family member. Uh, why don't you go on one trip a year and let them, if they want to go on another trip, then bring their friend or your children with them or something like that. But have that have that talk to understand this is how I picture retirement. And I think, you you know, it's almost that something you did in school or college or I've seen this in church groups where you kind of separate and you write down for five, ten minutes how you envision what retirement looks like to you. And then you get back together and you share what your vision is. And you'd be surprised to look on your spouse's face to say, I had no idea because reality is you, most spouses have no idea how you envision what retirement would look like. 
and you need to share that. So you can, again, marriage is about serving each other. I'm not getting in this to Church 101, Marriage 101, but really it's, it's serving each other, and it's a give and take. You, you know, serve your spouse so they can have that that lifestyle and that fun and, and feel that desire, and they're going to want to serve you too and let you do the things that you want to do. So it's not to manipulate, but it's to serve so you can both enjoy life together the way you want to. Well, these are five of the, I guess, bigger sources of financial tension in relationships. We'll have five more coming your way in our next episode, so subscribe. But if any of these are things that you haven't discussed with your spouse or want to sit down with a financial professional and talk through and, and begin planning for, now is a perfect time to do so. So you can always reach out to Principal Preservation Services online at principalpreservationservices.com or over the phone at 855 987 8888. All right, let's get into the mailbag. Mike, we haven't done that in a couple of weeks yeah. and answer some questions. Got four today I want to run by. Let's start with Andy. Says, I've been told that I need to make sure I have a mortgage when I retire because that will be the only tax deduction I'll have at that point. I've been paying extra on my house to have it paid off by the time I retire, but maybe I should slow down on that plan? Andy, I'd keep going. I'd keep sticking to that plan you were on. I think the advice that somebody said you should have a mortgage in retirement is um, ridiculous in a point because the standard deduction these days is been risen. So most people are not itemizing their taxes. And when you get towards the end of your mortgage, majority of those dollars in your mortgage payment are going to principal, not to interest. So your tax deduction, your interest deduction is very little, and you're probably not itemizing it. So I, I, I agree with you. Get that mortgage paid off. Don't worry about a tax deduction because you won't even probably see that tax deduction. Um, you probably don't itemize like three quarters of Americans do not even itemize their taxes anymore. So just keep going on. Get that mortgage paid off. Great question, Andy. Thank you for that. Ellis is next. Said, I'm 60 and I'd love to retire right now. I know I don't have enough money to last the rest of my life, but I should get a sizable inheritance from my mom whenever she passes. She's in her early 90s, so I don't expect her to be around that much longer. I don't want to make it sound like I'm just waiting for her to die because that's not the case at all. But do you think I'm safe to go ahead and retire with the expectation of getting money from her in the next decade? Ellis, I don't uh, I don't agree that you should. I think you should um, keep plugging away. Uh, retiring at 60 these days is retiring early. And I think it's, it's tough to make that assumption. Um, for example, I met somebody at a seminar a few years ago that – um, was expecting a sizable um, inheritance from her mom. And her mom even told her, you will never have to worry about saving enough for retirement because you'll inherit mine and you're going to have more than enough. Well, the problem is her mom went to the nursing home for almost a decade. And mm -hmm. they used up all her money. They had guardianship conservatorship over her. The bank had um, guardianship over her money, uh, a conservatorship over money. The attorney had guardianship over her medical and decisions where she was staying and they had to pay themselves as well so not only they paid the nursing home almost six figures a year the bank paid themselves the attorney paid themselves that money was gone in less than a decade yeah. so um, don't do that um, plan for your own retirement and if you receive an inheritance great that's just that's just gravy on top all right thank you clark uh or sorry ellis this one's from clark here our home is no longer ideal for us it's too big and too much to keep up with now that our kids are grown and gone. We'd like to move, but we'll only be working for another four to five years, then retiring to another state. Would it be a bad idea to move twice in such a short period of time? It seems expensive to do that, and I don't want to mess up our retirement plans. Yeah, that's tough, Clark. Um, being that you're going to be retiring in four to five years, 
and you don't even want to be in the same state. So that, that's a tough thing to do. So we, nobody knows what the real estate market will be in four or five years. Right now, it's still really good. It might not be good in four or five years. And so do you want to sell right now in a good market? You probably get some good close to top dollar on your house. But then you're going to spend down and use that money in an apartment um, until you decide you, you retire and you move to some other state. Um, are you going to just start downsizing right now? And, um, you know, there's no clear cut answer on that, but just some things to think about. Yeah. Do you want to move uh, to a downsized house and then another four or five years sell that and move to another state? That's a lot of work to do. And um, it's just something to think about because we don't know what the real estate market will be. It could be hot. It might not be. And so that's a, something to consider. Um, nobody has the answers where that market will be. But um, in my opinion, I wouldn't move. I would just wait. It, you know, if this was me, most likely we would wait um, out a few more years until you get right close to retirement um, before you uh, made that move and sell, sold your property. I got to tell you, moving is one of those expenses. You don't realize how expensive it is until you have to go through that process. Oh, it's just, it, it, it's, it's so expensive. Um, I, last weekend I was helping my mom move just from, you know, senior apartment to another senior apartment, uh, weekend before our daughter moving and just the rental, of the trucks, the gas, and that's not even paying movers cause we yeah. are there to help. But if you're, if you're hiring movers, it is an expensive deal, especially if you're going to be leaving the state as well. And then you have to insure things and it's, it's expensive. And, um, it'll be a job that I would be numbered, you know, on the list of a hundred be like the hundredth job for me to do in my life. I say it every time <laughs> I help people move, I was like, I'm so glad I'm not a mover. So I have a lot more respect for the people who do this for a living because I do not enjoying it. I do not enjoy it at all. Um, it's expensive. So that's another thing to think about. So yeah, you might, you might downsize to a house clerk and get into a smaller home and in four or five years, it might have only appreciated in $20,000, you know, just say, and by the time you pay real fees and moving fees, you, you didn't make any money at all. You might've been better off hanging in there. So, um, something to think about. Yeah. No question. All right. Let's got, uh, let's get one more question before we close out today from Vicki. And she asked, how can I tell if a financial advisor is actually qualified or not? My brother-in-law just informed us that he's now a financial advisor, but just a month ago, he was calling himself a life coach who happened to work part-time at Starbucks. Mm. So if he's a financial advisor all of a sudden, it makes me skeptical of the entire industry. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Well, I mean, people can make you know, life changes, and you get to start somewhere. So I'm, I'm being fair here, Vicky, to your, your brother-in-law. Obviously, to be a, a financial advisor, you have to pass certain certifications, some tough testing to just be a, a financial advisor. Now, there's some easier certifications than, than others. So it's one thing to be maybe educated. There's a Series 6, a 63, a 65, a 66, a 7. There's all these different certifications, and some are fairly simple and some are not. I say simple, but a lot easier uh, certifications, uh, designations to get than others. So... Um, I guess what type of financial advisor is he? Because there's some that are uh, on the, from the broker dealer side, and there's some are on the fiduciary side. You know, working it with a uh, registered investment advisory, and they're con considered an investment advisor representative. So, what type of advisor? I would ask, what is he? Most likely, he's if he was just working. Start, I'm not saying assuming this, but 
um, maybe I should say I, I'm partially assuming this. If he was working at Starbucks, he's probably uh, got one of the six or 63 um, licenses, I'm guessing. Something pretty basic and to sell some, you know, good chance to sell some mutual funds and make some uh, some commissions. Now, uh, I think the Series 65, in my opinion, is one of the harder certifications to get. That's the only one to, that licensed by itself to give advice. You know, the... Uh, the testing on it is pretty difficult. You know, less than half the people pass that test uh, when they take that exam. So a lot of people have to take it a couple times just to pass. But um, very strict, very hard. And um, I would find out what type of license he does have. And what is his goal with that license? Is it just to sell some investments for quick commission? Or is he going to actively be managing your money? Yeah, fair question, Vicky. Thanks for thanks for asking, and uh, it's important to, to talk with an advisor before you uh, sit down and begin working with them to find out these things and ask them these questions. So if you want to get in touch with Mike and his team, learn more about them, you can do so at principalpreservationservices.com or give them a call at 855-987-8888. That'll get, to, get you in touch with both the Woodbury and the Hudson office, whichever is more convenient for you. But again, 855-987-8888. All right, we'll continue our discussion on these financial areas of tension and relationships on our next podcast. So please hit subscribe. And Mike, we'll talk to you then. Sounds good, Ben. Thank you. Information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.